We're going to go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to pick up at verse 17, because I know how much you all love begats, and the first 16 verses are begats, but there's a reason behind it. Verse 17 of Matthew chapter 1, so all the generations from Abraham to David, everybody say from Abraham to David. 14 generations from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations now verse number one will make sense to us in a minute this is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David so this is why we're talking about David Jesus is in the lineage of David Verse 18 said, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, they were engaged to be married. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. This was all done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet of the Lord. And he said, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is, and somebody read it to me. Is that good or what? God with us present with us in the flesh with us and we thank the lord for it i'm going to preach a little principle to you tonight i'm going to let you be seated in just a moment and then we're going to go back to first samuel 16 i hope it'll make sense to you in a few minutes but i want to i want to just preach this to you tonight carry the baby carry the baby turn to your neighbor and tell him tonight carry the baby you may be seated Now, what I'm going to preach to you tonight is very simply a principle. It's a principle that I've preached through the years. I've preached it around the country. Uh, it's not hard to find in the scripture. But it is a very difficult principle to live. We know that Jesus Christ was of the lineage of David. And so I wanted to just kind of touch on David a little bit tonight if I could. In 1 Samuel 16, the Lord asked the question to Samuel. He said, how long are you going to continue to weep and mourn for Saul, seeing that I have rejected him? He said, fill your horn with oil and go, for I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now, the story... 
uh, goes, and, and I think most of us are familiar with the story, that for some reason, Jesse left David out keeping his sheep. All of his brothers passed before him, and every brother that would come before the prophet, he would say, nope, that's not it. Now, God gave the word. Is everybody on the same page with me? God said it was going to happen. Did he not? God said it's going to be from the house of Jesse. Did he not? And so we know that Samuel stood on the word of the Lord. And when the Lord said it was going to happen, all the sons that he thought of Jesse had passed before him. Verse 10 said, again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said it. The Lord has not chosen these. So in verse 11, he said unto Jesse, are these here all thy children? He said, well, there remains yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and fetch for him. We will not sit down till he comes. So he sent and he brought him, had a beautiful countenance. He was goodly to look to. The Lord said, Arise, verse 12, anoint him, for this is he. He knew when he laid eyes on the beautiful countenance of David that he was the man that God had, and the Lord confirmed that and said, Go ahead and anoint him. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And this is what I want you to see. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, stay with me here for a minute. I'm going to lay some groundwork as I try to preach this principle to you that somebody needs to hear in this place tonight. The Bible said that from the moment that Samuel anointed David, that the Spirit of the Lord rested on David from that day forward. We also see that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. There was a spiritual transition that had happened. David was anointed and the Spirit of God was upon him. But David was not ready to rule. There were some things that God had to do in the heart and the life of David to prepare him to walk in the anointing that was on him. God has to do some things in us to fulfill what he's put on us. There is a principle tonight that God is going to get in somebody's heart. That just because you are anointed and you're not seeing the progress that you want to see does not mean that God has taken back the anointing that he placed on your life. The most difficult part, in my opinion, of living for God is learning how to wait patiently on the Lord. I find myself often, frequently, in prayer, being frustrated because I've prayed the same thing over and over and over and over. And I feel like I'm knocking on heaven's door asking for the same thing. But I've also felt that blessed and sweet relief when after I have knocked and I have knocked and I have knocked.
that finally the door is open and the answer to that prayer walks through the door. Some of you have patiently waited and you have prayed the promises of God that you felt like God had placed in your life. You felt like you had heard from the Lord. You felt like the Spirit of the Lord had quickened you and you have prayed and you have prayed and you have prayed often for months and even years and the answer did not come but what blessed relief it was on that day that the prayer you prayed was finally answered and that somebody walked through the door that phone rang perhaps an email came a facebook something and god began to answer the prayer now it's exhilarating it's exhilarating when god gives the word that something powerful is going to happen that is the exhilarating moment i still to this day feel like a little child when i'm in a powerful move of god and the lord gives me what I'll just say for the sake of uh, the principle tonight, that God gives me a promise. You'll be in a mighty meeting, the Holy Ghost is moving, and the Lord will say, I'm going to bless this church with this. I'm, I'm going to do this. And you're like, oh, sweet God, have mercy. That, that's the word that I've waited for right there. I feel like it's coming. I feel like God... Is going to do it. And I'm not saying this tonight to make you doubt at all. Quite the contrary. But I have felt the Lord speak things to me. In my pastorate in this church. Next month will be 23 years. That I've been working in this church full time. And I have had the Lord promise me things. That I heard my dad say. That the Lord had promised him. And my grandfather had said that the Lord had promised him. And so every now and then I've got to just put it in park and say, Lord, you said it was going to happen. But I don't, I don't plan on having grandkids or son-in-laws, either one, anytime soon. And I hope that goes around the world. But sometimes I get frustrated and say, Lord, I, I don't really want my son-in-law to have it. I mean, I want him to have greater. That's not my point. I don't want my grandkids. I want to see it for me. Is that all right? Does that sound selfish? God, you've promised us some things that you were going to do, and I want to see it happen. But it's that waiting. You're stuck in the middle. You know the Spirit of the Lord's on you. You know you've been anointed. David was anointed to be the king. I want you to fathom with me the day that Samuel stands there. The Bible said in front of all of his brothers, in the midst of his brethren, David was anointed. All of his brothers saw the anointing come on his life. But what's not recorded in the scripture is what happened when the revival service was over and Samuel left Jesse's house and all of his brothers were standing there and Jesse looks at him and said, boy, you might be anointed, but those sheep are wandering without a shepherd. Now get back out there in the field. 
Nobody sees that part in the scripture. We like giants falling down. We love kingdoms being torn down. We love temples being laid up for. But I want to tell you that serving God is not always about slaying giants. Although I believe giants still fall. And serving God is not always about the next building project. Most of the time, serving God is being faithful to what you know is right even when you're not feeling like you're gaining ground. It's easy to get offended at God when all you hear and see and speak and pray and fast is revival. And then you get in the midst of a tough season where you got more people mad than you do glad. And you got families of fussing and husbands and wives are fighting and people are losing their jobs and all kinds of stuff's happening. You're saying, God, where's the revival that you promised? But what I want you to understand tonight, if I can get this in your heart... Is that that field that David was sent back out to work was as much as the plan of the plan of God as it was the day that David sat on the throne in Judah for the first time. You cannot spend your life begging God to reveal his will if you're not willing to walk in the fullness of the will of God right now. I'm telling you the truth. I've seen people spend their lifetime saying, I'm just waiting on the will of God. Just waiting on the will of God. I want God to have his will in my life. I know that I'm anointed for something greater. But can I tell you that there were some lions and some bears that were going to have to be slain. That were coming against the sheep. The Lord, yes, he was anointed. But there was a lion that had to be slain. Yes, the spirit was on him. But there was a bear that had to be slain. David was in the will of God in the wilderness as much as he was on the throne. And so this is where it gets tough. While we're looking for the will of God, we're walking in the will of God. And we don't want to accept it as the will of God because it's not the answer that we wanted. I think I just hitched up to that locomotive. I'm going to pull it a little while in here tonight. Listen, the enemy, and it is the enemy, absolutely the enemy, wants to keep us always looking for what's coming next. What is God going to do next? When's the next great revival coming? What are we going to do? Well, how are we going to make it? Oh, my God. We're just always, always. What's coming next? What's coming next? Listen. God is helping me right now. He's been helping me in prayer early in the mornings. God's been helping me to see some things right now that I can't get my eyes so fixed on what's coming that I miss what God is trying to do right now. David, you need to understand something tonight. If you spend your life chasing Saul around saying, God, when is it my turn? When is it my turn? There's going to be some sheep that are going to die because lions and bears are after them. You've got to learn to walk in the will of God in the present if God is ever going to elevate you to walk in the anointing that he's put on your life and so David finally feels as though the ministry of extraction has come to pass in his life and he gets to come out of the wilderness he gets to come out of the, of the sheep field 
And uh, then the scripture said that he kind of gets, he kind of gets this uh, promotion. He starts to work in the throne room of Saul. This was kind of interesting because it's all a part of the process. But I believe that David learned to play his harp in the sheep field. I believe that as a little boy out in the pasture, he would take that beautiful sounding harp instrument and he would pluck songs out one at a time until he became fluent in his play. I remember when I was a little boy, started playing music. It was funny because my, my parents, my grandparents, you know, they were, they, they were always my fan. And it's funny how parents are with their kids. It's like their kids are amazing. You know, their, their kids will look up and say, Dad, Dad. And they're like, oh, did you hear that? I mean, have you ever heard a kid say, Dad, Dad, like that, you know? And uh, Lauren, Lauren, at her first birthday, she was able to sing happy birthday, pretty, like pretty fluent. She was one. She was able to sing happy birthday. Well, the next two weren't talking quite that good at one. And so Papa, at Graceland's first birthday, when Graceland wasn't singing happy birthday, Papa said, Mom, I'm worried there's something wrong with Gracie. <laughs> well, she ended up being okay. <laughs> She's all right. But I remember as a little kid, you know, you'd sit down at the piano. You played dun, 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 right? And, and the parents were like, you ain't going to believe He's already playing the piano. So David would come in one night and he'd say, hey, 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 dad, listen. Dun, 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 dun. Good, son. Just stay at it. But he was faithful in the learning. It's comical, but I'm, I, I want to get this to you. You got to be faithful in the learning process. David had to be faithful while he was learning to play because someday it was going to be that very tool that God was trying to teach him. Woo! God was trying to teach him in his youth that was going to be the first preview window he had into the kingdom of Israel. When Saul said, I want that boy to come in here and start playing. And Saul, Saul the Bible said he was soothed by the playing of David. As he would play. Now folks. I'm just going to tell you something about David. I know David had some hiccups. David made at least one really big mistake. But you got to understand something about David. If he teaches us anything. It's the principle of just doing what you know to do. Until there's something else for you to do. Just keep working. Somebody say keep on working. Just keep on playing, son, because you're going to have to learn how to handle yourself. And what you need to know, David, is you can't get too comfortable in this room right here saying God finally elevated me because I'm anointed. And now I'm sitting in the room that I belong in. This is where I need to go because if you get too comfortable, you're going to have to watch your back, son, because javelins are going to start flying at you before too long.
Now, there ain't going to be five people that like what I'm about to preach to you right now. But I'm getting ready to tell you something that you need to know, and it's a fact, and it's a biblical principle. I want you to know that every time that Saul threw a javelin at David and tried to kill him, that was the will of God for David's life. Listen to what I'm telling you. The hand of God was on David and the Lord was the same God that directed the stone from David's sling to Goliath's head was the same God that was ordering David's step. And when evil saw through the javelin, the Lord knew I'm not going to let this destroy him. But David had to learn how to keep integrity and be a man of faith when the people you have trusted and the people that you have blessed start throwing javelins at you. You don't have integrity until you've had to shake somebody's hand and hug their neck when you know they've been throwing javelins. Everybody wants to be a Christian until they start reading red letters. Love them that hate you. I don't really like that part. I just like the victory part. I preached this to you months ago. The Lord spoke it to me, but I'm going to bring it in here tonight because it's so vitally important. Some time ago, I was wrestling with some things, and the Lord spoke to me very plainly as he does. And he said to me, he said, son, he said, you can either have vindication or you can have victory, but you have to decide. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? You can either be vindicated or you can have victory. Well, God, when are you going to get him back for throwing that javelin at me? I can't prove it. I don't know how all that works. But we do know that Saul ended up falling on his own weaponry, his own sword. I don't know how all that works, but this is what I do know. We used to sing this song when I was a boy. Victory, victory shall be mine if I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battles Victory shall be mine. David, if you can't handle the heat of Saul throwing a javelin, you're never going to have victory as a king. You've got to learn to be anointed and still have integrity. You've got to learn to have the spirit on you and still stand strong. You've got to learn that the process is as much the will of God as the throne room. anointed good God's hand is on me I believe that but people don't usually backslide while they're walking in their anointing they backslide while they're waiting on it are you hearing what I'm saying to you tonight there's this uh, there's this spirit that gets on human nature it's so funny because and please don't think I'm taking shots I'm just telling you it's, it's just the way it is that we can have 15, 20, 30 years of mistakes and when God doesn't fix them in the first three weeks that we serve the Lord we're ready to quit First thing is, it's not God's obligation to fix all of my problems. But it is my obligation to be faithful to Him even when I have problems. 
People get discouraged and like, man, I'm giving God the best that I can give. And, you know, I, let, let me just use this as an example to you that when you've made 15 years of bad financial decisions and pay your tithes for three weeks, you still got to pay for the debt. You understand what I'm saying? Like, but I'm serving the Lord, and the Lord said that He would bless my finances. He is blessing your finances. But that's on your credit. And so you got some things you're going to have to work out. Can I just pastor you for a minute right here? So you got some options. You can sell that expensive car until you can afford that car. You can downsize your house so you can get a better house and still be faithful. But your faithfulness can't be predicated on this idea that if God's going to bless me, he'll let me keep this car. Well, then God's going to let you keep the payment. Man, I'm preaching good. This is the best I've preached all year and it's almost over. Now, I don't want to hurt nobody or offend nobody, but I just want you to listen to what I'm saying to you. David, this man that I'm talking about, he went through this very same deal in his failure. If a, if a young girl leaves the church or whatever, a young lady leaves the church, and she happens to get pregnant out of wedlock, that baby's two years old, three years old, she comes to the house of the Lord. She repents. God refills her with the Holy Ghost. That baby don't disappear. Still got to raise the baby. It is a consequence of a decision that was made. I said this last Wednesday night. Brother Sawyer asked me about it a couple times. He said, tell me one more time what it was. And I told you that all these people that are screaming right now, I'm pro-choice, I'm pro-choice, I'm pro they're not, they're not pro-choice, they're anti-consequence. They're not, they're, you, you, they're not really pro-choice, they made their choice. You make your choice and you're going to have to pay some things for it. But what God is looking for is somebody that can say my scars don't define me and what I've been through don't define me. I've learned that even when I'm anointed, I still have the ability to make mistakes and I've got to learn to get up. If you're ever going to walk in the anointing, it's going to be because you get back up again and you fulfill the process. Anointing, anointing has been so misunderstood because it doesn't, it doesn't make things disappear. Matter of fact, if you go back through the scripture, and, and I've got to hurry to get to where I'm going, but where we read tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where David's anointed. He fights Goliath in the very next chapter, in chapter 17. And a lot of people feel like that because you're anointed, giants just sit down. The truth of the matter is, if you look at it from a chronological understanding, is that the giant didn't stand up until he was anointed. 
There's some things that aren't even, they're not even going to show up in your life until you're anointed. And Bishop, I believe a lot of it has to do with God wanting to find out how bad we really want it. I mean, honestly, how powerful could revival be if we came in here on one prayer meeting and said, Lord, send revival on Thursday night and Sunday morning they were waiting in a line to be baptized in Jesus' name. I'm saying to you that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man isn't prayed just one time. It availeth much, but it's because that righteous man is knocking on the door every day. Every And when I haven't seen an answer, you can count on hearing my voice again. And when my family hasn't come back, you can count on hearing my voice again. I'm not praying because it's happened. I'm praying because I still believe it's going to. How, how do you handle the process? Because it's easy to give up after the promise comes when you don't see it come to pass. Now, I don't have time to go through all of it, but David was somewhere in the neighborhood. depends on who you read or what you read. David was a, he was a young man, teenager, 15, 16, 17 years old. When he was anointed to be king, he didn't sit on the throne, not even over Israel, but over Judah until he was at least 30 years old. David had to walk through a process of anointing. Let's just use a round number of 15 years. David was anointed for 15 years and never tasted a king's meal prepared for him on the throne for 15 years. Now this is... This is kind of like, I told you it's principles everywhere in Scripture. But Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. And he prepared himself for 30 years for a three and a half year ministry. We got people that won't give God three and a half years and want to have a 30 year ministry. Am I making any sense tonight? Yeah, but I'm anointed. I agree. Now, what are you going to do with the anointing that's on your life? Because you can get frustrated in waiting and you can lose it. So the prophet Elijah said, the Lord, you just preached it the other day. The Lord said, upon your word, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. There was no rain. There hadn't been for three and a half years. And the Lord speaks to the prophet again and he says, you're going to speak the word and it's going to open up. So what does he do? He goes to his servant and he says to his servant, now folks, we all know Elijah had a word in his spirit. And the word in his spirit was, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. That's been three and a half years, so it takes a pretty good man to just look at his servant, who he knows is probably not going to tell anybody. Ahab ends up finding out in the process, but he just looks at his servant and he said, "Hey, slick, uh, got something I want to tell you." Oh, what's that, prophet? I want you to know I hear the sound of abundance of rain, and you know that boy looked up. And... He said, uh, "Okay." 
He said, so I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to run over to the top of the mountain and look out over the sea. And I want you to come back and tell me the revival that you see on the horizon. Yeah? Y'all know the story? He runs all the way over there and he looks out across the ocean. I think the old man's losing his mind. I think he's missed God. I wonder how many prophets through the years God has tried to speak a word to us, but because we didn't get it the next Sunday, we missed it. And then labeled them a false prophet. Do you know that not one thing Jonah prophesied that was going to happen to Nineveh happened? He wasn't a false prophet. Do you understand that if, if we were dealing with Elijah, he would have been a false prophet after the first time we went and didn't see anything. But when the boy came back to Elijah, he said, sir, I didn't see anything. And the scripture said in the King James, he said, then go again seven times times now I'm not taking this out of context and there is something valuable in the numbers and going seven times but I want to tell you what Elijah was really saying he was saying then don't give up and keep going back until you see what we've prayed for and then Elijah said the Bible said that he got down on the ground and he put his head between his knees and he prayed until that boy started seeing the word of God now what's interesting is that the posture that Elijah took was the Hebrew birthing position when he sat down and put his head between his knees that's what a Hebrew mother would have done when she was pushing to give birth I believe Elijah was saying I heard it in the spirit and I know it was God but I'm going to stay right here and pray until we give birth to this thing at some point in your life, there's going to be a promise of God that comes to you. But you're going to have to learn to wait on the Lord. If you're going to see the rain, it's going to be because you wait. You've got to wait. I, don't, I forget being Elijah and having the faith to speak it. I, I, I don't, man, I, I don't know that, that I can even speak that word. But how would it feel? Now I'm going to preach to the church for just a minute. How would you feel to not, not, not be the man of God, but to be the saint that heard the word? I'm out here running. He's sitting up there taking it easy. My cousin said the other day, he said, all you, all you preach do is work two days a week. It's true. Two days a week. It's like Brother Shaw, you're saying he's only working half days now. Find out what his half day is. That means there's 24 in the day. And he's working 12 of them. That's a half day. Listen, how would you feel to be a saint of God? To say, God, we've heard it in revivals. We've heard prophets speak it. We've heard our pastor speak it. We've heard our bishop speak it, and I want to believe that it's going to come. And about the time you really get locked in and you start praying and seeking God, and you go on a three-day fast, somebody does something real S-T-U-P-I-D. 
I'm not supposed to say it, so I'm going to spell it. Somebody does something silly and rocks your world. Why does it always come then? Why does it always come when you're trying your best? Because if the enemy can get you distracted, David, you will never walk in the fullness of that anointing. Man, I want, I, I, I want to get this to somebody tonight. I'm almost there. So I want, to, I, I want to finish where I started tonight. The angel of the Lord came from heaven and spoke to Mary and said to Mary, Thou shalt have a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sin. And her first question, I feel like, is pretty legit. She said, how can this be? I have never known a man. That's, I mean, I, I know I'm dealing with some pretty smart people here. But, I mean, Mary had, we, we got a little more to stand on than she did. She had never heard of somebody getting impregnated by the Spirit. We've heard about it, her. Nobody, nobody had ever told her before about a story about this little virgin girl. You have to understand, she's the first generation to experience this. Can I tell you right now, it doesn't take faith when there's a precedent that's already been set. It takes faith when you don't have anything to stand on but the word you got. Well, seeing that I've never known a man, how, how could this be? And I love it. She said, nevertheless, if the Lord said it. Then the Lord is going to do it. But what Mary can't forget. Is that what she just signed up for. Everybody say she's anointed. She's anointed. Woo! Man you talk about an anointing. The spirit of the Lord conceived a child within her. But she's engaged to a man. That has a law to stand on. That says if this girl he's engaged to. Gets pregnant out of wedlock. Not only can he get rid of her and not marry her. He can have her stoned. There's no risk. I've never had to walk by faith that there wasn't some kind of a risk. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? You understand when it came out of her mouth. Lord if you said it then I believe you can do it. It ain't near as hard to believe God can do it as it is to believe that I can do it. That I can make it. I can stand it because when she said yes to the will of the Lord, she said yes to the persecution. She said yes to the humiliation. She said yes to the people cutting eyes at her in public 
when her little baby bump started showing and people were shaking their head and people were coming to Joseph and saying get rid of her that's not what you want for your life but the Lord came to Joseph in the same way and said it's all right son what she tells you is the truth I visit listen I'm going to tell you there were a lot more people that were against Mary and Joseph than there were that were for them but when God has put a word in your spirit it doesn't matter who's against you when, when you know that God is for you bless her little heart walking into town going to the well going to the local market in the gate picking up fresh fruit Got that, and somebody looks at her while she's picking fruit and goes, hmm, looks like she's got some fruit in the basket. Goes to get some flour so she can bake some bread, and some smart aleck looks at her and says, hmm, looks like somebody's got some bread in the oven. And she lives her life for nine months being persecuted being talked about people looking at her with disdain looking at her as though she was a filthy woman but listen to what I'm telling you God was the one that chose her because of her purity God did not choose her because everybody would understand her God chose her because she was the vessel that he wanted to use you don't have to walk around when God's hand is on you I feel like preaching this to somebody there's something prophetic on me right now you don't have to walk around convincing people of your purity when what's happening in you happened by the Holy Ghost She had nothing to prove to people. All she had to prove to God was that even when it's difficult, I will carry this baby. I can't imagine. I I have so much respect for women. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, you can talk whatever you want to talk about a weaker vessel. But I've seen my weaker vessel have three babies. Tossing and turning at night. Holding that lower back. Dragging around. You know it's getting time when them them hips are out and they're walking like that. Everywhere they go. They start getting them duck feet a little bit, you know. Start swelling up a little bit. You know it's getting close. And the closer, the closer... That you get the more anticipation that you have. But in your life, people are excited, you know. You walk in and they say, ooh, when are you due? I don't ask that anymore. If you've ever asked somebody when it's due and they weren't pregnant, you'll quit asking. Oh, is it a boy or a girl? Just Wendy's. That's all. (laughs) That's it. I always thought it was a little odd, you know. Especially, I mean, I I couldn't do it. But women, they just kind of do it. You know, somebody gets pregnant, they walk up and start rubbing their belly. Like, what kind of miracle is this producing? Because there's excitement. But Mary felt that discouragement. Woo, Lord, I feel something shifting right here. 
Mary felt that discouragement. She said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go find somebody that can believe with me and touch and agree with me. And the Bible said she walked over to Elizabeth's house, her cousin. And when she walked in the door of Elizabeth's house, whoo, the Bible said that the babe six months that was inside of Elizabeth, poof, she said, oh, my word. She said, blessed art thou, Mary, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. That which is conceived in you is of the Holy. Can I preach to somebody here tonight and tell you, you got to stay away from the market where everybody's discouraging what God is doing. And you got to find somebody that can say, bless is what God's doing in your life. The favor of God is on. I don't need to find doubters. I don't need to find confusion. I need to find somebody that will touch and agree with me that if God said it, God's going to do it. If God spoke it, it's coming to pass. Elizabeth said, sweetheart, carry the baby there's going to be a performance of what God said there shall be a performance let's stand tonight she told her she said there shall be a performance do you know what Elizabeth was doing she was securing the faith in Mary if God said it God's going to do it if God said it it shall come to pass if I could just get one or two believers in this place tonight that have been weary in well doing can I just tell you due season is coming you're going to reap if you faint not I've come on this Wednesday night to preach to some discouraged people. I've come on this Wednesday night to reach out and touch the heart of somebody that's been seeking God and saying, Lord, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm going to praise you until it does. But you've become weary in the praising and you've become weary in the waiting. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but I feel led to tell you if you can find somebody in this room that will touch and agree with you tonight, I'm challenging you to walk through Elizabeth's door right now and find somebody that'll say... Bishop, I'm going to believe with you. I'm going to believe. We're going to believe God right now that there's going to be a breakthrough. I just believe God's going to do it. I just believe God is going to do it. Sometimes when you speak the things that God has spoken to you, there's going to be people that look at you and shake their head and say, there ain't no way God's in that. But if you can just find you an Elizabeth, that'll bind together and say, sweetheart, carry that baby. You carry that baby. You carry that baby until God is finished. Hey, I want to encourage you here tonight. I want you to leave here encouraged. And I want to tell you that it's not over until God says it's over. It's not finished until God 
says it's finished. I dare you to keep on believing. I dare you to pray one more time. I dare you to dance one more time. I dare you to show up one more time. With great expectation tonight, Lord, we believe. With great expectation, we believe. Woo! With man, it may be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on, church. History is replete with people that could have gave up. But they kept on fighting and they kept on walking by faith. Thank God for it when the evidence isn't stacking up, but God is for you. Hallelujah. Could we give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place tonight? see sister Barbara tonight but some time ago brother Tuttle Matt Tuttle was sharing the story of this lady that came to his church and she'd been praying that God would save her husband and she started setting out his clothes every week for church I'm gonna give you the short version but she would set out his clothes every week Never been, never refused to go. Set them clothes out every week. And finally, when she thought she was done and it was over and she was throwing in the towel, it's, it's a long story. But her husband just kept on drinking, kept on, oh man, it was awful. She got up one morning, said, I, I'm just, I'm done. He walked in there and he said, about them clothes that you've been setting out. I think I'm going to go to church with you this morning. I came in here one day. Whew, there was a suit jacket draped over the back pew back there. Cleaners picked it up, you know, cleaning the church. Moved it, thought somebody left it. Came back a couple of days later. It was there again. I'm like, I don't think that was an accident. Sister Barbara said, that's my husband's suit jacket. Y'all don't have to believe it. But I'm going to tell you one of these days. I'm going to look up on some Sunday morning, Sunday night. And that sweet man's going to walk through the doors. And I believe God's going to fill him with the Holy Ghost. We got to be willing to carry the baby. 
We got to be willing to go the distance when we don't see clouds on the horizon. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep fighting. Praise God. Let's lift a high praise to God. Hallelujah. 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 Rabbi Satalabahai. Praise God. Praise God.